Welcome to Sports Charcha. In today's episode, we are going to discuss Champions League semi-finals. Are we going to see an all-English finals or Real Madrid going to show their European legacy? Hottest La Liga race in more than 40 years. Top 4 clashes in EPL and Serie A. More European Super League content and how Bundesliga is indeed a mini Super League where Bayern Munich invites 17 other teams to supply players and coaches to them. And of course, the cup no one cares about. Let's go. This is our episode three, four. Actually, I forgot the count. So we are recording this on twenty eighth April, Wednesday, around ten thirty a.m. Which means there is only one place to start: the Champions League first leg semi-finals between Real Madrid and Chelsea. We have our in-house Real Madrid expert, Ishan. So Ishan will let us know how the action unfolded. Over to you, Ishan. Good morning, everyone. And like Bala said, welcome to Sports Charcha. I'm still reeling from how boring last night's game was. It's meaning a very disappointing performance by Real Madrid at home. But I think, as Zidane said, that fatigue is finally showing in our aged squad. Uh, meaning they were just. Barely hanging on by the skin of their teeth by the by the end of the game, uh, they were out of energy. So I think Madrid will have to prioritize in the next couple of games whether the league is worth fighting for or would they, you know, put all their eggs in one basket and for the second leg. But I think Chelsea had, you know, had a plan for Real Madrid. I think they learned from what Liverpool couldn't do in the first leg, and. Tuchel has always, since he's joined Chelsea, has been putting on a defensive masterclass for Chelsea in terms of you know his tactics, and that continued. Uh, and they never looked uncomfortable. They had everything under control, and the key to that was they controlled the midfield. And Golo Kante had an insane game. He completely. I I don't remember when Cruz, uh, Modric, or Casemiro contributed towards a key pass in the game. And if you You know, if you choke that angle for Real Madrid, there are very few options uh, nowadays, you know, especially in this squad. So I think I feel Chelsea was unlucky to not take more out of this game, but I think Madrid would be pretty happy at the end of 90 minutes with a draw because there's the tie is still open uh, for the second leg, and you know we might see a better Madrid because it can't get any worse. I saw the starting lineup. Um, Mondi wasn't there. So what happened? I mean, was he injured? I saw I saw Marcelo. Yeah. The moment I saw Marcelo, I was like, okay, there's something really wrong. So Marcelo is a. I mean, I think Zidane is also is very intrigued by Marcelo's Marcelo's contribution as a player in this team anymore. He wants to acknowledge Marcelo as the club legend and tries to put him into the squad whenever there is a need. So as you rightly said, Mondi was injured. Fede Valverde was injured. And so two of our really informed youngsters were not playing. Uh, so he basically played three in defense and Marcelo as like a forward wing back, which means Marcelo was more inclined to contribute to attack and then fall back when needed. But the thing with Marcelo this season, and I think in the last couple of season, he doesn't do either of them very well. He didn't contribute at all in attack, and he definitely didn't contribute uh, on the wings. uh when for when when chelsea were attacking so which meant that one area of the wing was completely open for chelsea to attack and in the first half uh Chel- most of chelsea's attack came from marcelo's side so that was a big gap uh that zidane plugged 
uh, in the second half and we obviously saw better madrid in the second half due to that how was hazard he came in for vinicius so hazard so vinicius had a crap game uh meaning there was nothing much other than benzema's goal for madrid in the game let to be very honest what a goal yeah what a goal unbelievable definitely the most in form probably the best striker in european football today you know coming back to hazard he came on the 66 minute i think it's just getting him match practice and getting him comfortable with big games because i think now if he stays fit he's going to be very important in our big games so i think hopefully in the second leg he plays big because it's almost his second home stanford bridge uh you know we are i think a lot of hope will be put pressure will be put on hazard to perform in the second leg so for chelsea you said kante had a brilliant game i hardly saw their goalkeeper making any big saves i saw one benzema shot hitting the post apart from that i didn't see a lot of saves from mondi and pulisic scored the goal but any other notable chelsea performance uh i think mason mount had a decent game primarily because he was left open carvajal was forced to attack on the right side which left a lot of space open for mason mount to just you know be free willy pulisic had a great game if you see the goal that he scored for a young for a young guy that was a lot of composure because you know he had to round control the ball round the keeper and then put, put it in the into the goal where there were three different madrid defenders on the line and he still managed to do that so that was a great thing pulisic is you know really showing his potential right now as he gets more used to tuchel's uh, tactics and formations and i think he will be a dangerous player for madrid to watch out while i was surprised that zayach didn't start because zayach if you remember completely destroyed madrid uh, when ajax thrashed us at the bernabeu a couple of years ago so i was surprised but i think everything that tuchel did uh, was to the plan tiago silva had a solid game christensen initially was throwing away some very easy passes giving away the ball to madrid but madrid didn't just didn't have the legs to capitalize on them like they used to so yeah that was i think the summary of the game not too much highlights both mondi and uh, the goalkeeper mondi and cortua didn't have too many chances uh, to show who they are as goalkeepers other than the goals they conceded agree the one point that you brought out which is pretty the same which is this point that every other expert is bringing out is the fatigue that the madrid squad is facing right now so uh, is ramos uh, expected to come back for the next leg not any time soon i don't think they're going to risk ramos especially with the euros around the corner unless he's going to be completely fit and to be very honest militao is having a great season right he's like in the last couple of games he's been solid i, I think he's been a better defender than varan over the last couple of games since varan come back from covid so i would be it would be very unfair to take militao out of the squad nacho is also playing really well so i don't think zidane even if Ramos however unlikely if he's fit for the second leg i don't think defense is the problem zidane is focusing on it's more on how do we create chances with the little possession we have because madrid are no longer the swashbuckling you know passing team that we are used to uh, you know during the ozil or mourinho days when mourinho was you know revolutionized counter attack football for real madrid we are more about you know let the other team have the possession we'll soak in the pressure and hit them on the counter and hopefully benzema scores that doesn't work every game so i think we're just going to rely and try to optimize those tactics and not focus and you know toggle with the defense too much great so all to play for in the second leg expecting a much 
more interesting game than the first one. So let's quickly jump into the PSG City game, the Oil Classico, or you pointed out the uh, Oil Slico. Oil Slico. A lot of people are saying it's yeah, a lot of people are saying it's El El Gasico, El Cashico. I saw a lot of names for this. Tail bechre, dude. Tail. Tail bechre. There's going to be an oil slick on the field. <laughs> uh, but it's going to be an interesting game. I mean, City fresh after winning uh, the Carabao Cup. And PSG also playing really well in their uh, in their league. They had a, uh, they had a, they had a great win in, in the weekend. Icardi finding form. Icardi scoring goals. Mbappe was substituted, but it seems that it's not a major problem. He will start tomorrow. So, quick uh, preview of what do you think could happen? It's funny how you said City won the Carabao Trophy as if it's some big major trophy. Also, they played against Spurs, who I think uh, both of us can beat as well. Two against 11 right now at the way they're playing. Uh, but no, a trophy is a trophy. City, I think, have one concern that if you see the trend in the last couple of months, they are not the high goal-scoring team that they are. They have been known to be. They've been scraping off one one nils, two nils at max, but that might be put to test against a hugely offensive PSG. If PSG somehow with Mbappe and Neymar, as we pointed out in a couple of episodes, if Neymar is in the mood, if they get two or three goals, however much City would dominate and I feel they will dominate possession. They will have more of the chances over the two legs. I I feel it will be a challenge for them to convert them because that's been their biggest Achilles heel this season. Converting the opportunities they have. Uh, CC, Jurgen Klopp. Uh, but, you know, I think that will be what their focus with Gundogan I think will be the apex predator. He's been one of their lethal scorers this season. And that actually shows you their struggles in front of goal. Uh, because Gundogan has never been a prolific goal scorer in his career. Sterling is having a bit of an off-season. You know, with Aguero going, Gabriel Jesus has never stepped up to the mark. So it will be a challenge. But City, are, for me, are still the favourites over the, in the tie and, as, and, and in tonight's game as well. Because they just have Pep, right? And I think you said this. If Pep doesn't overthink it, keeps the formation that has been working for them, it will be very tough for PSG to break them down just because they won't have the ball for most of the match. And I believe PSG's game plan will be pretty simple. Defend, defend, defend. And then you have Di Maria, Mbappe, Neymar. And I believe Draxler will also start. So you will have Verratti who will block everything and will put one ball behind everyone, which uh, Mbappe, Neymar and Di Maria will run and pick it up and score. Hopefully that's what will happen hopefully that what i'm projecting also is an interesting because you know which you rightly said like psg will play the long ball in the counter and hope that mbappe catches the ball this is where i'm a little scared for city because edison is a bit ruthless when it comes to or a bit re- reckless not ruthless when he comes off the line he's no he is no noyer so that might prove um, you know an attacking strategy that psg will employ Put the long ball, have Mbappe up against Edison. Uh, Edison might win one or two, but if you do that many, many times, you know, Mbappe is bound to win some of these battles and he will capitalize. So that could be an interesting play thing that we see in both these legs, especially tonight. Great. So quickly preview, let's preview the Europa semis. We'll just quickly go through Manchester United, Roma and Arsenal, Villarreal. 
So United Roma, I'm putting United as the favorites because they do seven one. <laughs> seven one, yeah. Going back to the seven one. You know that was the first game uh, Cristiano Ronaldo scored his Champions League goal. And the rest is history. Arsenal Villarreal. It was. Uh, it's the Emery Derby. Una Emery Derby. Let's see how that goes. Or you can say Santi. Even Corsola. Corsola still at uh, Villarreal. No, no. Corsola has gone to. Uh, I think Japan. He's playing with Iniesta. If I'm not. Okay. But it'll be an interesting match. Huh? I think Arsenal should not under. Uh, Arsenal's. You know. Forgive my French suck balls right now. And uh, Villarreal are always unpredictable when it matters. Like they can either capitulate and Arsenal will have it easy, or they will really put up a fight and we might see an upset. But however bad Arsenal are, I still put the peg them as favorites in this tie. So that's about Champions League and Europas. So let's quickly talk about the great fallout of the European Super League, the forty-eight hour. Hoopla that surrounded the entire football world, which fizzled out so badly, so badly that everyone's mocking it right now. It also made us believe that not all billionaires are smart. They can be really stupid and take really reckless decisions. But still, there are three clubs still are there. There is Juventus, Real Madrid, and Barcelona still haven't backed out. And Florentino Perez coming out and saying that the clubs who backed out haven't actually backed out because there is a binding contract that if they back out, they have to pay some hard of thirty million odd money for it. This entire fiasco, Bala, reminded me of a school project I had to do, and it was an entire you know like a presentation, and I had to make do use crafts etc. and make this deck, and I thought I. Absolutely killed it. Like I thought, it was one of my greatest lives, greatest achievements. And then when I presented it to the entire class, I realized that I had completely missed the brief. <laughs> so it was a great presentation, but for the wrong brief. So I got a zero at that. And this entire hoopla, this entire shenanigans that all these big CEOs and billionaires did for the ESL reminded me that like, it took me back to those days. Like you know, it was just. You know, Perez in one in his press conference said, "We've been preparing for that day for three years. In three years, if you it takes you to make such a hopeless presentation to convince the masses as to why you're doing this, because I feel both of us in our last episode had better points than what Perez and the entire ESL board presented for why you know the Super League should happen or you know points for it." Exactly. That 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 begs me the question that why aren't we billionaires? Exactly. That's all it takes to be a billionaire. Then why aren't we? अच्छे लोगों का हमेशा बुरा होता है बाला. अच्छे लोगों का हमेशा बुरा होता है. Now I was just going through some stat. Like ever since this Super League was announced, all these so-called twelve Super League clubs have played twenty-two games. I have ignored the Manchester City Tottenham EFL Cup finals. So out of twenty-two games. All these twenty-two games were played against non-Super League teams. There have been ten wins, eight draws, and four losses. I really don't know what is super about these teams. And one of these, and two of these Super League teams, two names. In fact, four of these Super League teams won't even qualify for Champions League next season. Liverpool, Tottenham, Arsenal, and Juventus is kind of fucking up their Serie A top four race. Super, super means bank balance, bro. It's definitely not on footballing uh, form or footballing capacity at that at this very moment, right? Right? You know, if both of us were given the chance to create a super league, 
a lot of the big teams probably won't be in that league right now if you know we would choose other teams if it was just based on the super league i think what what was really funny was how fast it collapsed i remember both of us uh, messaging each other that night twitter every 5 minutes had a new team backing out had fans rioting forgetting all you know socially distancing rules of that country especially stanford bridge outside stanford bridge there was a huge rally going on by the hardcore fans which was great because it actually gave us what we you know proof of what we always believed in that football is a fan sport it's based on emotions a lot of it was forgotten by the ceos right and you know we mentioned in our last episode the americanization of football most of these ceos just look at it, look at football clubs as a product not as the at, you know at the values and the core of when they were founded and what you know why what they mean to the community and that was what the failing was that the complete disconnect with fans and also what we realized which was interesting and i don't know what you think about this bala is how players started tweeting after their teams backed out uh gerard piquet did it but you know barcelona haven't officially backed out so i don't know where that but piquet has always been outspoken so i'll give him that credit but if you look at all the other teams like especially in the premier league they all started chirping only after their teams officially put in a tweet saying that we have backed out what do you think about that yeah it was pretty sad to see that i mean you can see only as you said piquet came out and said and all the other clubs players came out and tweeted only after their their clubs officially came out and backed out uh, i mean that's that's how clubs operate these days they have all these players media under control they have most of these players social media under control uh, all have been handled by most of these social media handles are not handled by the players themselves they have been handled by some agencies who in turn are controlled by the club's pr team so that's one thing also you can see players like gundogan coming out and saying that which is the lesser evil is the champions league the new format of champions league or the european super league we find the new format of champions league is the lesser evil it's not that the new format of champions league is great the whole point is that uefa came out as the good guys here which is not actually uefa are not and i think pep pep put it up very well pep guardiola in his press conference he clearly pointed out that he was not for the super league but he also said uefa are to blame for this happening if uefa had done their job properly over the years this would have never this situation wouldn't have occurred this situation occurred due to desperation or greed but if you look at it from barcelona and real madrid's point i would put desperation right now more than greed because they are just they are really short on cash and it's really crunch time they cannot compete with the top 6 and i think that's why it was easier for the top 6 english clubs to back out faster because they know that they have revenue already coming in which is pretty meaning massive compared to all the other leagues in europe uh, so they could fall back on that but that's not the case with say a la liga or a serie a right they don't have those te- television revenues coming in that the premier league do so that's why i, I feel you know why i, I think uh, perez did a real mess up job i would give him a lot of respect that he was at least he fronted up to it he was not the only face behind it there was a lot of other you know villain slash heroes who thought they would going to be heroes but perez at least bore the brunt of all of it and i think that's also reflected in how the madrid fans have reacted to this happening uh, it's been pretty balanced in terms of people saying you know 
you know perez screwed it up he's sold our soul to the to money but they were also part of it that understood where perez came from because madrid can and barcelona for example can no longer compete in terms of transfers with the big clubs and if they cannot buy those big players how long will they remain barcelona and real madrid so it's the sustainability of the prestige that is also on the line so all things considered i'm personally happy that it's not happening but i think both of us discussed is the new format of the champions league absolutely sucks like it sucks so bad it's horrible it's going to kill players so i don't know where this is going but this is definitely not out yet as perez said this will come back so we'll wait and watch all right let's move on to the cup final that happened the cup final which most of us don't care except for city manchester city themselves carabao cup don't have any fans they just have the players that's the good part of this game that's the only good part of this game which i found because there were fans in the stadium there were about i think 8000 fans in the stadium it was finally good to see a football game with real fan noise i just want to quickly touch upon city's performance and we all know what city can do what city has been doing for the last 3 4 years they have been by far the best team in epl and this is their fourth consecutive efl finals and for pep he has won 14 out of his 15 major trophy finals 14 out of his 15 which is which is insane record and just don't go with the scoreline scoreline might say 1 but the reality is city absolutely thrashed spurs it was a proper thrashing now what i want to mainly focus is on spurs and the things that happened a week before uh, this finals we didn't explain we didn't talk about it a lot during our last podcast so i just wanted to give a little bit of uh, focus on that yeah morinho wrote to us na bala that you know how could the podcast not be about him getting fired and about some mythical league being created so i think apologies to morinho we are taking that up now we'll talk about how you got fired do you think morinho would have celebrated laporte's goal however crash we think the man is deep within he still cares for every club that he's managed and he'll never do that that's why we see him not going to any rivals post that other than say chelsea or united but i don't think he celebrated it but i th- i mean in mourinho style if you ask him right now he said i didn't watch the game i was at the beach but coming back to tottenham sacking mourinho this is definitely not a footballing decision to me this is a pure financial decision see what i believe is there will be a clause or there would have been a clause in mourinho's contract that if he gets sacked after he wins a trophy uh, then the amount would have been higher then the sacking amount would have been higher daniel levy didn't want to pay that extra amount so he sacked mourinho a week before the finals if you see the finals right the tottenham team played like a mourinho team even though ryan mason i'm happy for him he had a very sad uh, end to his player career but good to see him coaching tottenham at a very early age no i mean i'm not blaming ryan mason i mean he hardly had time to even know the names of his squad players but the there was no strategy it was extremely docile tottenham team which i mean the the the, the it was mourinho's spurs who were playing but without mourinho's tactics i mean it was just they were just blocking kane was extremely passive he he in fact had an injury 
and came back after an injury to play the finals, which is exactly the same thing what he did when Tottenham played the Champions League finals against Liverpool. So I really don't know where Tottenham is going right now. I think one, I just want to add to the Mourinho firing what you said. I think Levy was going to fire Mourinho anyway before the start of the next season. So I think that's why he fired him before this cup final to save money. But I mean, hypothetically, if, if Tottenham were in a Champions League spot and, you know, and this final would have happened, you know, he would have not fired him, to be honest. But I think it was just taking into a larger perspective. Mourinho was going either way. He just, Levy was smart about when he let him go, but it probably cost him a cup. But I think what's sad to see is that this is probably an end of a cycle for Spurs and its squad. You know, we thought it was an end of a cycle in terms of them challenging for the big guns when Pochettino left. But they still had the squad. Uh, you know, not too many big players left. In fact, they added a couple of good players, Hoiberg, etc. this season. Uh, where I actually thought that they have a really solid squad that could, you know, help them compete in on multiple levels in various tournaments. But I, I think it's just, they want to be done with this season. It's almost that kind of mentality. And it was really sad to see Son breaking into tears because it felt like he was the only player in the team who gave a damn about or was affected by Tottenham not winning. Because I think a lot of the other players are saying, you know, either we want to leave next season or we want to just start afresh and just start from zero again where all the teams are on the same level, you know, level on points. So that's a bit sad, but yeah, I think it's a, you know, a lot of, there's going to be a lot of player, big players leaving Spurs, I feel, uh, at the end of the season. And, you know, let's talk about the biggest name on that list, Harry Kane. I personally feel it's two years too late for him to move to a big-ass club, but I see a clear opening from him for him in Manchester City. Aguero's going, they need that kind of a player. That's probably the only big team in England I see him fit in. I definitely don't see him fitting in any any of the other European clubs. I think it's too late for him in his career to try out another league. What do you think about that? And do you think Kane will actually stay? Kane will probably want to leave. But the only thing that will stop him leaving is Daniel Levy. See, Kane still has about two to three years of time left in his contract. So he's not going to let Kane for, for cheap. He is definitely going to charge somewhere around the 100 million mark. The question is, which club has that much money to spend on a 27, 28-year-old striker? That is where the question is. Now, second question is, is it going to be only Kane or is it going to be both Kane and Son? Because Son also, again, has about two to three years of time left in his contract. So it's going to be interesting to see how Levy handles it. A, they will need money. Tottenham will need money because they are not going to be in Champions League. And... They still haven't recuperated the money that they spent on the stadium. They haven't had any fans coming into the stadium, so they have incurred huge losses. So, Levy would want to sell one or two of his prized assets, but not for cheap. So, it'll be this uh, transfer season, this transfer window will be one of the most busiest transfer windows we have seen in our entire life. Like, I think what will happen is that Kane will be more expensive. But Son will be more sought after. And I think that's how it's going to be. Because Son fits into many teams across Europe. He can do well at, a, say, a Dortmund now. If Dortmund let go of Haaland. Even Real Madrid or Atletico Madrid. And contribute there as well. Because he has both. You know, he's almost like a better version of Asensio for us. Because Asensio, after his injury, has never shown that form again. So he, I could see him potentially replaced. You know, I'll try him out in FIFA today. Just getting him in the Madrid squad. See how it works. But... 
I feel Son has a better market market uh, attraction, but Kane will definitely be you know more expensive. But then, as you said, Daniel Levy, both of them might not end up going, but they would really need to improve their squad or do something that would help keep them. All right. Since we are a topic of EPL clubs, the top four race, uh, not much. You can we can clearly see a top four right now. City United. Didn't I call it West Ham will screw up? <laughs> yeah, I called yeah, it. Yeah, true, true. And Leicester will be clutch. Yeah, and what a what a game, man! Leicester, great win for them against Crystal Palace. Important three points. So it looks like City United, Leicester, and Chelsea. And unless Leicester or Chelsea screw up, Liverpool, I don't think is going to. They are the ones who are bottling it. But tell me, I saw a report yesterday which came out. Liverpool reported a loss of sixty-four million pounds in the financial year. If they don't make Europe, do you see a lot of changes happening, or do you think it'll just be one bad season? Van Dijk will be back next season. Things will be better. Yeah, yeah, definitely. See, Liverpool this season is an anomaly. Next season, whatever happens this season, next season Liverpool will still start as favourites, and it looks like they are going to play Europa League next season. They are not going to play in Champions League. Now, if you go till the last stages of Europa League, you will still make about ten to twenty million less than what you would have made in Champions League. So it's not going to make a big difference. Yes, the attractiveness of the club will reduce slightly for one season, but I think Liverpool should be. Back as favourites next season with Van Dijk, Henderson, all these players coming in, and 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 I saw reports that they have also signed uh, Ibrahim Konate from uh, RB Leipzig, their defender. So that's a good signing. Yeah, and yeah, and they got him for pretty cheap. Yeah, pretty cheap, around thirty million, thirty odd million, which is pretty good money. And I'm pretty sure they're going to sell one of those front three. I am. Believing Mane will be the one to go. Mane, that's interesting because everyone will is betting on Salah. Leaves. So if Salah leaves, see the problem with Salah is I don't think anyone has the money to pay for Salah. See Salah will go at least for about seventy-five to eighty million, not less than that. See, he's already again scored twenty goals this season. Three out of his four seasons he has scored twenty goals, so which is just extraordinary. So he's got not going to go anything for less than eighty million. So I'm not sure who has that much money to pay for him. So I'm guessing Mane because I saw some reports stating that PSG wants Mane because they expect Mbappe to go to Real Madrid. So we'll see. We'll see how things unfold. PSG. I saw a report, a uh, article on Marca that PSG has offered Messi a two-year deal. Uh, so I don't know. I think I don't think Messi is leaving. Just a segue to that. But yeah. Since we are getting into Messi, let's quickly segue into the hottest league race in Europe right now. I mean, this is the hottest La Liga league race I have ever seen. I don't know. I don't know whether you remember. I mean, this is the hottest I have seen. Apparently, this is the hottest since last forty years. Meaning, hottest is a subjective thing. I think the time when Jose Antonio Reyes scored two goals in the clutch against Mallorca in Beckham's last season for Real Madrid was one of the hottest things. But then Barca bottled it, and we are bottling it this season. We've drawn two matches that we should have idly won on paper. And now we've got tough games against Sevilla coming up. Uh, Osasuna this weekend, but then Sevilla after that, and then we have Barcelona versus Atletico, and that will be decisive. Madrid will be praying that Atletico win that game because Barcelona are obviously on in a rich vein of form, and I think the Clasico result was an anomaly. They are doing everything right. They've got their mentality right more than their 
players on form and i think they are the ones to beat they are the favorites in on you know for me for to winning this la liga and it will be interesting to see how the dam what damage it does to atletico madrid and its players and its confidence if they do not end up winning this league winning la liga because madrid i feel have already given up mentally their focus is champions league and it has always been they for the first 20 games they show this illusion that la liga is a priority but then when things fall by the wayside they know where to prioritize and they come up so i think it's barcelona's to the liga is in barcelona's hands i will call them favorites for uh, this game as well the reason why i said this is the hottest league is i'll just go through the top 4 points uh atletico madrid 33 games 73 points real madrid 33 games 71 points barcelona 32 games 71 points sevilla 33 games 70 points and next week which is 8th may as you rightly pointed out real madrid are playing sevilla and atletico are playing barcelona so even if you are remotely interested in la liga please don't miss 8th may and 9th may games because i don't think this has ever been this close title race uh, ever i mean i i haven't seen a title race in la liga this close where four teams are competing let's assume that sevilla may not be the favorites but as per the league standings you cannot rule out sevilla but talking about sevilla did you uh, did you see what happened between sevilla and granada last week oh man unbelievable i couldn't i i <laughs> that doesn't happen normally in football it was so I have never seen. I have never seen. <laughs> But I think you know it shows how La Liga has fallen uh, in the popularity vote in Europe because, as you said, eighth May is going to be a season decider, crackerjack of games, and people have to watch it on Facebook Live. Meaning, it's so sad. Like, I will be watching mid-table lower team Premier League games on. prime time television but i have to watch atletico versus barca which is going to be the probably the deciding moment of this season on facebook live meaning it's so sad it upsets me as a la liga fan but that's the reality of business right i think uh, we pointed this out in our first ever unrecorded unregistered podcast ronaldo leaving was a big punch in the gut for la liga and its television right Let's going back to the Sevilla Granada game. Uh, just for the say, uh, just, just for our, just for our listeners to uh, let them know what actually happened. So the game had four minutes of injury time added. The referee blew the whistle after the end of the third minute. He didn't realize there's one extra minute left. All players shook hands. They left to the dressing room, and then later the referee realized there is one extra minute to be played. So he called all the players back to the field. So all the players came back. People were almost. packed off and were about to leave so they had to wear their jerseys again wear every all the shoes and everything again they had to come back so the funny part was there was uh, there was there were these players one player from sevilla and one player from canada they exchanged their jerseys so they have to exchange it back and there is the sevilla player marcus acuna who had supposed to wear his shoes his shin pad and everything so they had to wait for about 8 and a half 9 minutes for this to happen to play that extra 1 minute so i have never seen this level of administrative fuck up ever but but this could have gone very wrong one it could have been granada could have said that mujhe wapas match khelna hai naya restart karo uh or it could have caused serious injuries because their bodies have cooled down 
uh, and then you are playing one minute of high intensity football. Uh, it could have gone very wrong. Luckily, it didn't. But you know, trust La Liga and its officials to uh, muddle this up. It only happens in La Liga somehow. It's it was it's funny, but it could have also been very bad. Since you're talking about Sevilla, so after their uh, Champions League loss to Dortmund, they haven't lost a single game. They have won, I think, eight out of their nine games, and one was a draw. So they are in rich vein of form. So that Sevilla Real Madrid game is going to be extremely interesting. Be really, very interesting to see, and it's also Lopetegui versus Real Madrid again. So it's going to be interesting to see how he is going to handle. See, it. the Sevilla versus Real Madrid games historically have been amazing games. Like in terms of they've been high-scoring games. Uh, they've been a lot. There's been a lot of drama, red cards. It's also like Ramos's old playing ground, childhood, boyhood club. There's a lot of sto- backstory behind that fixture. We came up on tops in the first time we met uh, in the league, one uh, nil, and that was the time when we were really screwing up in the Champions League group stages. And we had like those three games where you know we had to play Atletico, Sevilla, and uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach, and we had to win all of them to just for I think Zidane to retain his job, uh, and we did it. But I go back to my point about Real Madrid. If Real Madrid are still in the Champions League by the end of, you know, by the time this match comes up, I think Sevilla favorites. But if Madrid are out and Chelsea somehow are in the finals, then you will see a much more focused uh, and transform Madrid against Sevilla. So it's going to be very interesting to watch how Zidane shuffles his squads for these games, who he puts in, who he manages. Like if Marcelo's in the game against Sevilla, congratulations, Sevilla. It's as simple as that. I agree. I totally agree with you. Now, coming back to the so-called league leaders, as of now, they are the league leaders. I would probably call them Botletico Madrid from now on. <laughs> Botletico Madrid. <laughs> Do you remember when we did our first recorded unreleased podcast? They were what ten points, eleven points clear with a game in hand. And with a game in hand, and now they have. I mean, they they can lose their top spot tomorrow. Like if Barcelona beat Granada tomorrow, they are going to lose their top spot. I mean, what bottle jobs, man? What do you think, Simeone? Hey, Barcelona won, Ray. One nil. Barcelona already won. No, no, they haven't played Granada yet. Tomorrow night they are playing Granada. So if they win that game, that's their game in hand. If they win that game, they'll go on top of La Liga. But Atletico Madrid, I mean, I understand they had a couple of injuries. But you 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 don't expect a team to lose that much ground. That too towards the later half of the season. I mean, this is this is really bad for Simeone and for the players. I don't know whether Simeone is going to stay next season. I'm not sure whether he will or he won't. But uh, this is really bad for Atletico. I had a lot of hopes for them, but this goes to show that uh, that team still has a lot of issues and they they need to do a lot of things to solve them. And the interesting thing is that they are. They are bottling it in defense, which is something you never hear of in a Simeone team. Like we always knew that Atletico, however however stacked their attacking options are, they will never be a five nil winning team. They will win one nil, two nil, whatever. But it's always the nil that was a constant. They never conceded. Like Oblak has insane records of clean sheet streaks. He's won the Zamora many times. But this season, especially starting 2021, 
we have seen them fail miserably in defense especially in set pieces uh yeah set pieces and it's very it's i don't know it's i think it's all down to mentality i don't think they are you know as you i think one of the episodes you miss the how much they miss godin who was the you know the stalwart in terms of leading the pack in terms of mentality in terms of having that tenacity to grind out results uh they don't have that leader anymore you know they don't have that leader in defense i don't think they have that leader on the pitch who will push them to you know fight blood sweat and tears the atletico way they don't have that so i think they're stuck in that dilemma of being this swashbuckling team with jao felix and the likes of carrasco in the team but also being solid in defense and they've done both they failed both of them quite miserably since the beginning of this year they have a crunch game against barcelona who's actually if if i'm not wrong they are the favorites right now based on their current form and the way they are playing they did struggle a lot against villarreal antoine griezmann showed his class and finally i would say clicking in that position where he he was he always wanted to play with messi but then it looks like that particular plan is clicking for coman right now so and also i believe the evolution of frankie de jong has really helped barca extremely well this season he has been phenomenal over the last 2 3 months especially over the last 2 3 months even though he missed a sitter against villarreal but still he was pretty much all over the place he was everywhere he was controlling the game left right and center it was great to watch barca i think barcelona have taken a bit of influence from what real madrid do even if you're not playing well you win the matches you're supposed to win right and that's why real madrid are struggling this season is winning the matches that you know they you know, normally associate them winning barcelona used to be like that they used to win the big games screw up the small game but i think barcelona grinding out these results they're not as you said they're not playing well against villarreal they definitely did not play well but they got the job done and i think that's what is the you know what kuman has done correctly with the team is like saying that just win at all costs i don't want you to be playing beautiful football right now it's about winning the la liga even though i want barcelona to win but at some level i would i would want sevilla to win this just just for the sake of that's not happening that's <laughs> this is la liga that's not happening this is no leicester city story <laughs> just to round up how fucked up this entire season has been it will be a great finish if sevilla wins this let's move on to serie a inter pretty much wrapped up the league let's not talk about them we've spoken enough about them they're already winning the league yeah they have a 11 point lead looks like they have wrapped it up there is nothing much to talk about inter milan but what is interesting is the top 4 race let me again go through the points the one who are competing for it is atalanta who is at number 2 33 matches 68 points napoli third 33 points 66 points juventus fourth 33 matches 66 points milan fourth milan fifth 33 uh, matches played again 66 points so napoli juventus milan all at 66 points and atalanta at 68 points now lazio Lazio have a game in hand 32 games they have played and they are on 61 points so they are also not very far from this top 4 race so you have five teams competing so hard for this top top 4 and Juve interestingly ever since this ESL was announced 
<laughs> they drew their game against Fiorentina last week and they have been screwing it up and the day when this was announced they lost to Atalanta 1-0 and now they have games against AC Milan they have a game against Inter Milan and they have a game against Atalanta is Pirlo's job in danger uh it's it's in danger if Zidane quits interesting it's i don't think they will uh... be impatient with the likes of perlo they'll probably give him another season he you know i don't know i'm a little confused when it comes to juventus's season because they don't have the players but they have the players but what they definitely don't have is a footballing style they are so generic in their you know in their football this season they don't have like oh let's be solid at the back build up the play and then you know pass the ball to the forwards and you know work up a goal it's nothing it's a bit of this and that it's a bit of mishmash all season and you're hoping for the big names to suddenly come up crops you got a fading ronaldo which is unfortunate but i don't see a format or a plan of action when it comes to juventus and that probably i could boil that down to the inexperience of perlo as a manager now that will be important will perlo as a manager be attractive for Juventus to rejuvenate their squad. So that's the point, right? Like the point you brought out that Juventus don't have a plan. They don't seem like a team who knows what they're exactly doing. That's exactly the reason why they appointed Pirlo to bring that style of football, to bring an identity to them. Now, what happened is you bring a coach to give you identity, but then you need to give the coach the players also to give their identity. Now you have an aging squad. an aging squad of superstars agree they are all absolute legends of the game you have kelly you have bonucci you have ronaldo you have absolute legends of the game but you don't have the players to support these players around especially ronaldo now you have someone like morata who is very well uh, very well accustomed to play with ronaldo he 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 is not benzema but at least he can do something that benzema does to give space for ronaldo to move on and to score you don't start with morata you didn't start with morata in the last game he brought morata in as a substitute and morata scored a goal within one or two minutes after he came back what a goal that was yeah what a great, great goal. goal exactly the great goal so this is where i have a problem with juventus now what they are going to do as you rightly pointed out are they going to keep pirlo and give him players or are they going to just sack pirlo and bring back allegri because one thing i heard from one of the top italian journalists that allegri is on hold because there was a news that tottenham was looking at allegri but allegri has asked them to keep on hold because it looks like if uva doesn't qualify for the champions league there could be a chance that they can go back to allegri for a season or two just to keep just to bring things back under control and then they can go for a maybe a zidane or someone like that See, Juventus don't. I mean, I still feel that they will somehow get into the Champions League squad. Uh, spot. A lot. What I just said would change if they don't, because that is a big slap in the face. Because not only are not you're not winning the Serie A after like eight years, right? But you're not making Europe uh, in terms of the U- Champions League. That is a big. Uh, it's all because Italians are emotional. That's a humiliating thing for Juventus to happen, right? like a liverpool might treated as a one off anomaly bad season let's move on it's not the same in italy if you don't do what you're supposed to do and if you are even way below what you were supposed to do that's treated as a slap in the face of the fans or as part of the community in turin so that would have a massive uh, impact 
the you know pearl of staying or not if they don't make euro but i still feel they have it in them to just sneak through you know ac milan have fallen by the wayside they were again they they have been like atletico madrid they were leading the league for 17 weeks right and by a margin and they just started bottling it so badly i put peg juventus favorites over the their ties with ac milan because ac milan just don't have it in them anymore so it'll be interesting it's again it's quite an exciting league for the top 4 obviously inter milan have clearly won it but at least for the next three spots it's going to be really interesting to see how that unfolds and because of the massive impact it will have next season in the and in the future do you see delit staying in a non europe juventus uh do you see you know ronaldo might leave who are they replacing because just to end the point with juventus look at their midfield their midfield has a young american mckenny they have aaron ramsey yeah right i mean i can't i i still can't picture aaron ramsey as a juventus football and then they have you know rabio who no longer rabio has never been i really don't know what's what people see in rabio i i really don't know even in the french team i really don't know exactly and then they have arthur and you know arthur more than i do oh my god arthur my god <laughs> yeah what 75 million worth of a player and i don't think he's done jack all this season so if you look at their midfield their that poor midfield will not make it into the european super league clubs midfield at all so that's one big concern because that means they'll have to spend money those free deals that juventus is known for that they you know sign a lot of great players uh, for free that doesn't exist anymore in the new market the new post covid world so it'll be very challenging for them to rejuvenate this squad replenish this squad to challenge for the league again yeah so we might see a dominance era of the milan teams we never know but atlanta you never can you can can't count them out as well yeah i mean atlanta and napoli seems to be nailed on to the top 4 i mean i just i was just looking at their uh, the next five games atlanta have sassuolo parma benevento so not great i mean they have a milan game towards the end but i think atlanta are well and truly uh, on course to finish yet another season in top 4 i mean they have been the most positive story to come out of italy over the last season so refreshing to see their squad playing such attacking such positive football there's so much energy don't forget they all they could have beaten madrid as well this season exactly they were almost there except for that red card and stuff but then again great to see atalanta napoli again have extremely favorable run in towards the last five games so i am i am putting my money on atalanta napoli to qualify and i agree with you you will find that extra bit of quality to stay in top 4 so i think it's going to be inter atlanta napoli and juventus from serie so milan in europe a uh, europa milan back to europa milan which is see if you if you look at if you look at the beginning of the season if you have seen milan being in top 4 top 5 fighting for the champions league fighting for the league title you would still say it is a decent season you won't feel bad So I would say Milan should be happy with Europa League position. Champions League misses AC Milan, man. It's not the same. That's true. Hopefully, we'll see them in the Super League. So I think we have pretty much covered everything. But let's quickly. I think Bala. Just quickly, we need to talk about the big news. Julian Nagelsmann. Yes. The new head coach of Bayern Munich. 
Exactly. He is a year younger than Manuel Neuer, the captain of Bayern Munich. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> now let's see. This is again with Bundesliga, right? This is pretty strange. This I have I haven't seen this in any other league, at least the top five European leagues. Like the current Bayern Munich coach won't be in Bayern Munich. He'll probably be coaching Germany. The current RB Leipzig coach will be coaching Bayern Munich next season. The current RB Leipzig defender is going to Bayern Munich next season. The current Borussia Mönchengladbach coach is going to coach Dortmund next season. They have this weird process of announcing everything way before the end of the league. It's also a very incestual league. Like it's like an episode of Friends. Everyone slept with each other one time or the other. <laughs> And the surprise part was Bayern Munich lost a game last. last week but that's not going to affect their title chances anyways they are going to win this week's game and wrap it up it just delayed the celebrations by one week that's all it did and how this season would have been different if they just had lewandowski i feel my god lewandowski i i'm really hoping to see him break gerd muller's record so hopefully he'll be able to score those goals and beat that i don't know 40 year old record 40 45 year old record and yeah. truly truly deserves it's come close many yeah. times and deservedly so what a player what a striker yeah and one more interesting league the farmers league getting really tight <laughs> lille and psg and monaco all three one point away from each other lille at 73 psg at 72 monaco at 71 so it's going to be pretty interesting and especially with psg going ahead in champions league you might see them slipping up but we'll see lille has been extremely good they are holding on to their lead even the last week's game they were 2-0 down against lyon and then they came back and won 3-2 in the second half so congratulations to them hopefully they'll hold on to this and lift the title and a lot of credit to their coach christophe gautier who is the next marseille man so it will be great for him to lift the trophy by beating psg so hopefully we'll see oh that would be yeah hopefully we'll that'd see that'd be new, amazing yeah it will be great if lille wins the uh lil wins the league and if imagine psg wins the champions league it's an agrarian economy bro farmers are supposed to win <laughs> you know what happened last season right when psg lost the champions league the marseille fans took it to the road took it to the streets and they were celebrating that the, that hate i think is the most underrated hate in european football nobody not a lot of people know about the rivalry between marseille and psg we obviously don't have time to talk about it but we will eventually but people should look into those matches yeah once the league is over we'll probably have a quick discussion on that ask neymar how he feels about marseille it's as simple as that <laughs> that's true i think we are good man i think this has been a good episode we are able to discuss a lot that has happened around england and in europe yeah so hopefully we'll have uh, a great game tonight psg versus city it won't take a lot for the game to be better than what happened last night so i'm pretty optimistic that's all guys from us today thank you everyone for listening if you enjoyed what you heard please share it with your fellow sports podcast listeners and for more content or even if you want us to discuss any other sports related topics do reach out to us on twitter at sports charcha bye 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 bala bye everyone